0: Welcome to the Everything Voluntary Podcast, your internet source for voluntarism, free markets, radical unschooling, peaceful parenting, self-improvement, and anything else we really want to talk about. Or to put it simply, we're two dads trying to make the world a little bit better for our kids. And now, here's your hosts, Skylar Collins and Philip Eager.
1: That's me, by the way. Uh, Hello, welcome to the Everything Voluntary Podcast. My name is Skylar. And I'm Phil. How's it going? And this is episode 32, uh, Wizard's Third Rule. So we're going to talk about Wizard's Third Rule from Terry Goodkind's Sword of Truth Epic Fantasy Series. Um, But before we get to that, um, Phil was just asking me whether or not I had a good day at work. And... (laughs) <laughs> I told him I had an interesting day at work, and the reason is because we have, um, usually about once a year, we try to do a department activity, and we've got our, we've got, um, I have some colleagues that work out of India, and, and they're actually in town, and so um, we're doing the department activity while they're here, and I don't know if you've ever played this, um, it's actually pretty fun, um, Frisbee golf, you ever play frisbee golf? Oh yeah, yeah.
0: I've been up to some of the courses on the east side of the of the valley here in Salt Lake, and uh, my brother is a big falf, I, I guess that's what or disc golf. There's like really kind of snooty stuff, but yeah, frisbee golf. It's pretty fun.
1: Yeah. So as soon as uh, my team started playing, it just started pouring rain. <laughs> today yeah like half yeah like half of the department decided to go back under the pavilion where they were they were cooking up some some bratwurst and stuff but we decided to keep playing and so by the time we got back our clothes were soaked all the way through my locks were matted down (laughs) along my face and everything you know just dripping and it was it was kind of a fun experience his mighty mane drenched in the wrath yeah. of thor.
0: No, that's that's funny. But there's something refreshing every once in a while. You can't do it all the time. But like rain, you if you decide, you know what? I'm not going to be bothered by it. I'm just going to enjoy being rained on. It can be one of the most enjoyable experiences. But if you don't want it, it's incredibly annoying.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I don't I don't mind getting rained on usually. Um and yeah, we just, but like if you're running from it. your car
0: into a store, you know, it's just like, ah, ah, ah. now I got to walk right. around all cold, but if yeah. you choose it, it is incredibly enjoyable.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. That was just to answer your question there. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> I don't That's know. How Skyler's day of work was, else, but I just, so, um, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just, I was just going to say, what about you? Any, any, uh. Anything interesting lately? We had our um, we had our fourth epic night of epicness uh, get together on yeah. Saturday at Village Inn, and I counted we had a turnout of including children, babies, and teenagers. We had eighteen people. Oh wow! Yeah,
0: yeah. We we I think the next one we may need to change the forum because it's getting too epic for Village Inn. <laughs> like. <laughs> It seems to be like, cause I, I was kind of bummed cause I wanted to get to talk to everybody, but the, every conversation was so engaging and it, it's like, I, it, for it to be easier to get up and move around and talk to people. Maybe it's just cause of where they had us all sit, but, uh, it was kind of like this, uh, I felt robbed cause there was like a whole family down at the other end that I didn't even get to say hi
1: to. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I
0: want to know them. Some well, guy offered I, you know, me pancakes I just, I, that I didn't it, even know.
1: I was going to say, I look at it like this. I mean, you, you get there, you sit down. As people come, they sit down, and whoever you're sitting by, get to know them, talk to them, have conversations with them, and just know that there might be awesome conversation or people you haven't met on the other side of the table, but there's always next month, you know.
0: Ah, but that oh, but I, oh, that's like a cliffhanger on a television series. I don't want to have to <laughs> deal with that. I want to be... I want everyone to pay attention to me, Skylar. This is about me.
1: (laughs) Epic night of fillness.
0: Yeah. My name means love in Greek. Does that mean anything to you?
1: No. Mm
0: No? Oh,
1: well, screw you. My name means means, um, scholar in in Dutch.
0: Oddly enough, the other night I was uh, just going through the people in my life. Just kind of trying to see if there was any myth going on, you know, just like, oh, wow, that person has a significant name that matches their life. And, I, and when I saw that Skylar meant scholar, I was like, hey, look at that. That's crazy. And then uh, on my uh, mom's side of the family, there's a family where the grandpa, the father and the son, all live in the house, all of their names are Nick and the word Nick means uh in in greek like to strike or to hit and they all just squabble like that so i was like hmm i wonder yeah it's like don't name more than one person in a house nick that's (laughs) that's what i realized but anyway so that yeah i've just been doing that i've been uh the book i mentioned last week has basically blown my mind open my skull is now exposed or, or my gray matter is now exposed to open air. You know, it's that level of like, ah, uh, new levels of why to raise your children peacefully. Um, basically anytime I, I really, uh, it's the, the Da Vinci method okay, by right. Gary Laporto. I think it's Gary. I can't remember his first name. Sorry, Mr. Laporto. Uh I should we should we might do a series on this book so you'll hear more about it. But um l- learning more about the neurobiology of uh you know the structures in place to simulate predators in your environment. If you're a parent and you abuse your child, you have just created a simulation of yourself that abuses your child in their head anytime they try a behavior that might evoke that punishment from you in real life. So hitting your kid isn't only hitting them once. It's hitting them multiple times and they have to go. And and even after they move out or if they move somewhere across the country, you're still in their head as an abusive parent and your simulation plays in their head until they acknowledge it, get angry about it and try to change that. And that may take, you know, months to years of therapy uh, a lot of self-work a lot of frustration a lot of awkward conversations a lot of missed opportunities so it's it's not just hurting your child in the moment it's the lasting echoes from that that your biology is designed to replicate it's it's just intensifying my drive to um the and commitment to not only be peaceful in my interactions with my kids, but also to open my mouth about it and talk about it because there's enough suffering in the world as it is.
1: Definitely, yeah. Hey, take a mental note when we when we go back to our parenting 101 mini series. The next installment will be um, toddlerhood, which is for a lot of people when when spanking would begin. Um, I don't I don't know that infants are ever spanked. Um, not that I've ever known about personally. Um, but toddlerhood, you know, two, three, four is pretty much when that begins. So we'll have to mention it and talk about it then.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But, um, I, I've also been just real short along those lines because there's people who have done these things that want to make it right. You know, like they realize it and then they're like, what can I do? And I'm realizing it's listen and do the exact opposite at the same level of intensity that you did for the other behavior. So however, you know, the times I've yelled at my son, um, the intensity with which I yelled at him, I need to match in the opposite direction. I need to be that excited to see him that intent on listening to him and, uh, and to do that and be willing to be, uh, made uncomfortable by any feelings they may end up talking about you know it, it love is inconvenience so yeah just i've been in my head a lot this past weekend a lot of different thoughts i wrote like a 15 page screed on all of the simulation stuff and all of the suffering it causes but um yeah so you know really cheerful stuff skylar <laughs> <All this laughs> no that's good misery, that's, pain that's,
1: and death. that's um i will just say that's good advice for me i've uh been thinking a lot about um Approaching my son when he's when he's been stressed out or angered or upset for some reason, it he's the pathways that he's developed have not been healthy, and so he's I think quicker to get in that state, and also it takes longer for him to get out of that state. So I'm looking for things that I can do to approach him and to help him through that. And I think that's good advice as far as um, like you talked about just just in the in the where I asked in the the Facebook group where you first mentioned this to me, um, you mentioned, um, trying to find some kind of a playfulness or vulnerability, um, which kind of goes back to breaking the patterns as well. So that's definitely given me a lot to think about. So I appreciate that.
0: Yeah. It's, it, it comes in unexpected ways. It's not the solution you think. And, uh, Oddly enough, like I just recently, you know, I've been kind of atheist agnostic for a while now, but just in the past week or so I've been, you know, I, I read through the new Testament. And so when you're saying this, uh, the, the stuff, it, you think of things like, unless you become as a little child, you can in no way enter into the kingdom of heaven. If, if that means happiness, uh, you, you kind of have to know how to be like a child. And it, it's it's becoming a child again that could possibly be the healing bridge to helping others. You know, the, the playfulness, ch- children at play, uh, most of them are shamed for it or attacked for it when they're doing it at inconvenient times, when that's actually the key to accessing the the intelligence of the deepest parts of your brain. I mean, look at the imagination activities that kids come up with. And then we stick them in these rectangular schools at rectangular desks and give them rectangular thoughts and things get boring really quickly. And so I I just, a lot of the stuff that I've read in the New Testament, uh, whether or not it is a literal thing, it has powerful uh, metaphorical meaning to me now. And I've been finding a lot of benefit from going through that. So seriously, seriously, maybe next week we can do a, a second uh, conversation on God, Cause I think, yeah, that
1: sounds good with me. Start taking notes and and kind of, I, I guess you could say, um, cleaning house on your thoughts and getting them all down. And we could definitely, definitely do that. It sounds that sounds exciting.
0: Yeah, it's it's really it's pretty cool stuff. Anyway, if I do say so myself,
1: let's uh, yeah, what do you. And, <laughs> I was just going to say, on, on the playful parenting, um, there's actually a book of that title called Playful Parenting by Lawrence Cohen, which he's a he's a, um, I think he's a family therapist, but he does a lot of work with children, and he uses play, and so it's just chock full of anecdotes throughout his career of different ways that he's used play or his, his patients have used play to um, overcome um hurt feelings and anger and, and all that kind of stuff is, and I'm, I'm it's, it's, it's in my downstairs um, restroom and I don't use that very often. So I'm kind of slowly getting through it. I'm about halfway through and it's just really good stuff.
0: Mm, about at uh, the so rate I, of a
1: bowel movement. You're good. <laughs> <that book. laughs> well, not even because like I said, it's downstairs. I don't use that as much as the upstairs one. So, uh, but, um, and I know, I know your wife's read it too and she's highly recommended it as well. So,
0: Oh, yep. Yeah. It's, and it, it just, let yourself be creative. When you forsake force, creativity will be the source of all your solutions. And I think one of the most helpful things I've learned recently, and we could go into it next week, is just uh, extend that same kindness and empathy to yourself and to all the parts of yourself you find inconvenient. Um, that is has been a really big thing for me. Um, I'm down... Th- almost 30 pounds from January 1st. And the thought that caused me to start to lose weight was like, you know what, body? Thank you. Thank you. Your intent was to just make sure that I could survive the coming famine that you thought was coming. You know, you and I weren't talking much. So you thought you had to store everything. I understand that used to save my ancestors all the time. Uh, because if they didn't store fat, they would starve to death. But it's safe now. I'm not around predators anymore. Thank you. And uh, maybe you can repurpose that to when I want mozzarella sticks, you could have me envision uh, <laughs> my healthy body. And you know what? It's like, yeah. It, it, and I've found that I'm able to help other people more too. Once I've done this, it's the whole, you know remove the beam from your own eye so that you can see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Remote. I think all of someone needs to go through and write all of those as parenting tips. Cause I think there is something helpful to that. You know, what's wrong with, you know, I, I see so many parents that are like, what's wrong with my kid. I'm so mad at him. And, and honestly, I was like this. I'm still like this in at, at parts but I'm just now realizing that if I work to remove the beams from my own eye in my parenting, it, I'll be able to see so much clearer to help my son and my daughter and my my newborn.
1: So, yeah, that's good stuff. All right, well, Delicious. let's um, <laughs> let's let's uh, get on with um, the topic of this episode. Like I said, it's Wizard's Third Rule. Um, from the epic fantasy series The Sword of Truth by Terry Goodkind. Now, the third rule is introduced in the third book, titled Blood of the Fold, um, which is a pretty good book. Um, There's actually parts of the book that, I don't know, I I guess as as an anarchist, because the protagonist, um, Richard, the one with the, the Sword of Truth, he's got to... Uh, he's got to unite the New World, uh, under his, his rule and his command in order to stop an invasion by, um, what's called the Imperial Order, which is a, uh, I guess you could say a, a socialist, um, I don't know, they're kind of like Nazis, really, <laughs> invasion from the old world. And, and so he comes back to the New World to do that, which is kind of, kind of interesting. I mean, it, it, it definitely seems like, Without um, uniting under his command and his rule, they would all be destroyed. But that is kind of an interesting argument when you consider, um, you know, libertarianism and the, and the decentralization uh, themes that kind of go throughout anarchism, that kind of thing. So, um, but that's not really what this episode is about, uh, as much commentary as that could warrant. This one is about the Third Wizard's rule. The Wizard's rules are. Rules which the um, wizards in this fantasy world sort of um, try to follow in order to guide their behavior. Um, and if, if we could just, I guess we should just review um, wizards. first rule is um, people are stupid. They can be made to believe any lie because either they want to believe it's true or because they're afraid it's true. Okay, so that's the first rule. Wizard's mm-hmm. second rule, the greatest harm can result from the best intentions. And we've um, talked about both of those in previous installments in the series, so just go to the uh, series archive and you can, you can get to those. So the So the third rule is this, passion rules reason for better or for worse. Now, I'll just ask you, Phil, what comes to your mind when you hear that? what's ah. the first thing you think of
0: well i w- what i saw in my mind's eye was a rider on an on an elephant you know a human rider on an elephant uh it sorry that's i don't want to just leave it at that uh so <laughs> passion is the elephant it's the emotions it's the parts of you uh that feel strongly um and they can be good and they can be bad. They are basically the fuel uh, in, in your engine as a human. Uh, but reason is the human on top of the elephant uh, trying to guide it in the right direction. And if you don't have a good uh, trained relationship with your passion, uh, your reason can go by the wayside. And so it, it seems like taming the elephant is a pretty good way to go about this. I guess I went kind of poetry with that one rather than uh, – I guess my passion ruled my reason on that one.
1: <laughs> well, okay, so um, just the Perhaps little – I got it totally little, wrong. The little summary here just says and, – and I actually found another, a longer quote that I'll read too, but this one just says, uh, letting your emotions control your reason may cause trouble for yourself and those around you. Um, which is interesting because in the book um, Richard learns this rule um, and then he violates it by, okay, so like I said, he's trying to um, unite and centralize rule and command under himself in the new world in order to get everybody together to defend the new world against the invasion that's coming up from the old world. And Mm. in the middle of this, his wife or yeah, I think she's his wife, the mother confessor at this point, um, is is taken back to the old world. And so he then leaves the new world to go after her and bring her back. So now he's letting his passion, so here he is trying to, you know, prepare a defense for this invasion, which is, you know, which is what reason would dictate, you know, considering that they all value their lives. And then he allows his passion for his wife to take over him, and he leaves the new world back to the old world to get her now he happens to um spoiler alert turn on your volume he happens to rescue her and get back to the new world you know at the nick of time or whatever, but that was quite a gamble that which started by violating this rule so so what I think about um when I think about this is it, it's almost interesting because it, it, it's a, it's a rule, and I don't know you know I mean there's probably a lot we could talk about whether or not this is always the case. I don't think it always is the case, but what it's saying it, it kind of has a double meaning. Passion rules reason for better or worse. So what it's saying is just expect that passion is going to override reason, but then it's also saying you really should look out for that in yourself and in others. Okay. So it's kind of saying, look out for it, but it's going to happen anyways. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's like, you're not gonna be able to stop it, watch for it, but you're not gonna be able to stop it. It's kind of, to me, kind of what it's saying. So uh, if anything, try to build in contingencies or something for whatever it is you're, you're undertaking, um, you know, for when this rule is violated. And, and in which case the rule isn't, I guess you, I guess it's not really violated because the rule is that passion is going to overrule reason. Um, so if that happens, then the rule is not being violated; it's being followed. But when I say it's being violated, it means well, <laughs> um, your reason is being violated, I guess, and passion's Ooh. taking over. So anyway, um, yeah. So that's that's kind of what I think. Now let me just um, read this longer quote. So I was just I was just searching the internet for that phrase "passion rules reason" just to see if I could find some more commentary on it. And um, answers.yahoo.com Somebody um, asked a question about a, a different quote, and the quote that, that he asked a question about, wanting to know the meaning of it is, if passion drives you, let reason hold the reins. So he wants to know what that means. If passion drives you, let reason holds the reins. So he says, what does this quote mean? And and the person that answered sound, sounded a lot, and he may have been quoting bits of what he said from the different um, speeches that, that the protagonist in the book, Richard, um has given, because it really sounds a lot like like that. But let me just read this. So this is by Kevin L.C., just on this Yahoo Answers board. He says, it means that passion rules reason for better or worse. Okay, so that's why I think he got it from this book. And he goes on, letting your emotions control you can lead to trouble. Thus, the only sovereign you should allow to rule you is reason. The first law of reason is this. What exists, exists. What is, is. From this irreducible bedrock principle, all knowledge is built. This is the foundation from which life is embraced. Reason is a choice. Witches and whims are not facts, nor are they a means to discovering them. Reason is our only way of grasping reality. It's our basic tool of survival. We are free to evade the effort of thinking, to reject reason, but we are not free to avoid the penalty of the abyss we refuse to see. And I, I really think it's from Booker book or a later book because it sounds exactly like um, what the protagonist has said. So he doesn't use quotes or anything. So um, a lot of these sentiments and themes throughout this are, are pretty much um, found throughout this entire series, which is why I highly recommend it for that and other reasons. Anyways, um, but yeah, I mean, I guess I'll just kind of go over it again. And I, I really like this. The first law of reason is this. What exists exists. What is is from this irreducible bedrock principle, all knowledge is built, right? So you use reason to figure out um, what's happening around you, right? Or what has happened um, and the, the potentialities of what may happen. And then you can use that knowledge to, to build um, a, a plan of action depending on what it is, you know, you're undertaking. And now if, if you allow, you know, the moment that you get um, you know something happens to interrupt that and you become emotional and passionate about it you 're now going to you're uh, i guess i 'll say this as soon as you 're passionate about something you are the value you place on different things i think um, becomes evident right mm-hmm. so in so in the book i mean he he valued protecting the people of the new world and he um you know, to do that, he believes he's got to unite them and then command them, um, right? So he has those values, and then as soon as his his wife gets kidnapped, he now his passion <laughs> then now reveals that he values the life of his wife more than everybody else. <laughs> so then he, mm. he he goes off to get her. So that's that's kind of an interesting way of looking at it too. I think is that is that our passions can sometimes um, reveal our values, and then our values can betray. betray our intentions to other people uh i i don't know there's a lot to think about but
0: no yeah there is i'm like my brain won't stop and it's just like talk talk will you talk talk just say say the things i'm like brain shut up i'm trying to listen to skylar so i could answer appropriately um first of first thing that came to mind was uh sherlock have you watched any of those episodes Um, I have and I pretty much just the,
1: the finale of season three. And we won't
0: spoil that, but, um, (laughs) there's the one lady that's the dominatrix and, uh, she, uh, Sherlock did something to trigger her to look at a certain place. And he said, a mother always looks to her infant when danger appears Mm -hmm. or something like that. And so that, uh, you know her reason and her ability to not give it away uh was get um was compromised by the fact that danger suddenly struck uh now i don't know that i agree with what is being said about reason which part in in it, that the passions are not to be trusted um i just from an evolutionary standpoint uh you have a conscious mind which is based in your reasoning center the neofrontal cortex that is where our reasoning and logic is based and it's a relatively new evolutionary development it is what has helped us thrive and uh you know has solved many problems but as far as survival goes it's the deeper parts of the brain that have been responsible for that When we're about to be attacked, it's not our reason that gets us out of that situation. I mean, we can prepare and all of that. uh, And so that's one of the interesting things about uh, the human mind. I think the integration and uh, unity of passion and reason is the most ideal because uh, passionless – Reasonable people tend to lack, you know, you might lack some empathy for uh, the the suffering of others that can actually help you connect with them in a way that could change them. Because a lot of the the things that make people stupid, like the first Wizard's Rule says, uh, a lot of the things that makes make them stupid, they didn't reason their way into, and so you can't really reason them out of it. Sometimes it takes tapping into the passions but you know what if you look at the mechanisms by which the passions are uh, manifested like if you study neurobiology if you actually learn about the human mind um, and use that rational part of yourself suddenly it becomes clear what all of the emotions are for and then they become tools in your belt so maybe I don't disagree with everything. I just for some reason I was getting the impression that passions are to be
1: looked down upon. And well, uh, I, I might I didn't have been really, reading that into I didn't what really you were get thinking. the impression that that passion is to not to be trusted or to be looked down upon. And and really maybe that's maybe that that's why a a better um a better reading of this is as you know, this, this is what's going to happen in every case. And so maybe you can build in contingencies for it. Is that is that somebody's passion is going to rule their reason? Now, coming back to, you, you talked about survival. And I think when it comes to survival, a lot of um, survival mechanisms, um, a little bit more automatic or what I guess what you would call instinct. So maybe we can even add in there instinct rules passion, passion rules reason. <laughs> I don't know. Right. this is kind of something I was thinking about in that, in that regard.
0: Well, and this is, uh, this is what we deal with when we have our kids, uh, acting up and getting frustrated. The passion is ruling their reason. Um, and so you can see how the environment in which someone is raised and the way they are treated can affect the way those passions manifest in their life. Um, it, I'm feeling like uh, there's almost oh, – One of the, the – There's that movie – Oh, gosh. What was it? It made me cry like a man. That's how I described it. Uh, <laughs> what What's it called? Crap. The Kids Get Cancer. What's it called?
1: The Fault the in get... Our Stars. Oh, right.
0: Yeah. And there's a, a book in there that doesn't exist in real life, but uh, a fictional book where one of the lines is pain demands to be felt. Mm. And uh, – Emotions are – they're mortal. You know, They have a birth. They have their life and then they die. If you let an emotion take its course, it goes away. Kind of like your children's emotions, the way you help them stay in control, control of them is by identifying them. It's the parent effectiveness training style stuff uh, where you just reflect the emotion – So that they have a word for the thing they're feeling. And by naming it, it disappears. It's almost like the Rumpelstiltskin myth. His only power lies in the fact that you don't know his name. And as soon as his name is said, he goes away. Hmm. So that process of the rational mind that's able to stay cool even in intense moments, uh, I think you could flip it around. That reason could end up ruling passion. But just like training an elephant, it takes a lot of a lot of work. So, and I think so many people aren't allowed to actually feel their emotions from beginning to end. Um, it's like if you were in the act of lovemaking, and for five years straight you were interrupted in the middle of it. How would your mental health be after okay. that much time? <laughs> Strange analogy,
1: <laughs> I know, but anyway sorry i yeah i kind of stole the mic go ahead i was just um (laughs) if i look down through some of these other answers on this this yahoo group um to that quote of if passion drives you let reason hold the reins which i really like if passion drives you let reason hold the reins yeah i love that we all okay so there's 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 i think there's 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 two ways to define passion. I mean, there's there's your passions, your interests, the things that you're very interested in, and you have a passion for. And then there's the heat of the moment passion, where you know you, your emotions are are kind of guiding your actions um, in the heat of the moment. Like I said, um, and so this this person here kind of responds, and she says, um, "If passion drives you, let's see. Many people have passions for different things. I have a passion to open a crisis pregnancy center. Well, good for her." Um, let reason hold the reins. Don't let your heart lead you. Make sure the decision you're about to make based on this passion makes sense. Look at the consequences that could come out of the decision. Then make your choice. Um, and then she kind of summarizes a bit. Let your heart take you this way and that. Make decision after decision without really thinking it through. Act out on your passion, but do it with reason. Oh. So that's, that's, that's sort of in regards to, I think her remarks are sort of in regards to, you know, your interests and what your passions are sort of long-term, not so much in the heat of the moment. Yeah, that Um, harkens,
0: sorry, that that harkens back to the second rule, um, that good intentions, you know, the intention to do good is the passion. But if you haven't fed your mind with um, reason and evidence and knowledge and understanding and wisdom and all of those things we talked about in the previous rule, if you don't have that in you, your, your passions have nothing to work with. It seems like whatever you feed your passions, they will drive on uh, or that, that will be their fuel. So if you feed them only a narrow diet of negativity, then when your passions activate, it's going to be a really negative experience. I wonder if mm. there's – but to to temper uh, – uh yeah. Tempering meaning, you know, tamp down the the craziness of them, uh, but to temper the passions with uh, reason and evidence, I think that allows reason to take the reins in the way that quote was talking about.
1: Yeah, well, I was going to say so. Um, knowledge, wisdom, forethought, and understanding the first rule, <laughs> which you know, as I guess we continue stepping backwards. Um, <laughs> you know, people are stupid, and, and this this I think is is mostly applied to sort of people as a group, but individually uh, just the second part of this is they can be made to believe any lie because either they want to believe it's true or because they're afraid it's true, right? And so you believe the lie because you want it or because you're afraid it's true. And then you develop, you know, what it is you're going to do, right? So you, so you want to fix something that you think is wrong, which is really just based on this lie. Um, and then, you're passionate about that and you act without, you know, again, without using reason to do it. So that's kind of stepping through each of the rules up to the third Ah. kind of interesting way of looking at it, which is, which is what people do. You know, they, they, they react passionately to something and they, they end up causing more harm in the end, which is, you know, and it, and it's, it's hard to say, that it's not, it's unintended, that it's not intentional when it comes to state action, whether it's domestic policy or foreign policy. Um, but disaster after disaster, that is preventable if they, you know, just left well well enough alone along the way. And of course, some people say, well, hindsight, now you know, but in the, in the heat of the moment, you know, we have to act, blah, blah, blah. Well, I'm not entirely convinced that number one, we weren't being lied to at some point along the way. And number two, you know, we've, we've gotten ourselves into so many, well, okay. I don't want to say we, I need to stop saying we, the rulers that be have gotten themselves into so many, into boondoggle after boondoggle, uh, foreign policy wise and domestic policy wise that, you know, just throwing reason out the window and acting and, you know, they've got to do something as so many people cry. Um, it, 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 it's just, it's never worked, it seems. It's just, it's disaster after disaster. And I think it's because of violating first, second, and the third rules right here, and that's why I think that's why I think these are so sort of valuable. And why we're doing this series on them. Anyways. Yeah, it's pretty cool stuff. Yeah, it's really good. So, alright, well, um, I don't know, I, anything else you wanted to say on that? I guess we can kind of finish up.
0: Um, well, as just, uh, I'm realizing that the passions, like, allowing emotion to motivate you. And, you know, since it is a biological system that exists in the real world with physical properties, uh, and since it was developed over, you know, evolutionary time, uh, I, I recently learned about the evolutionary concept of spandrels. Uh, they are just things that emerge by accident. Uh, because like, let's say, um, you know, the, the human chin is an evolutionary spandrel. No other primate has it. But uh, the way the, the – I think, I think the way the human tongue and jaw and all of that uh, are positioned just led to there being a fold in the bone rather than it tucking into the neck. And so now we have chins. And it serves a purpose of sexual selection like uh, you know women select for more pronounced chins and stuff like that. Um, but it started as just this accident of evolution and so the hmm. realizing that you're you're working with this kind of fallible uh but hackable system in your own brain uh using the reason part of yourself to get control over that i believe is possible and those are the people who end up making huge changes in the world without the use of violence their ideas their inventions uh their the, um Their, yeah, I'd say ideas, inventions, their literature, their art, it, it taps into something that is, uh, it almost seems bigger than themselves, but it is themselves, but it's also, it's a billion years of evolutionary history working together for one purpose rather than shooting in different directions. You want to go this way, but your passions want to go the opposite direction. The most effective people are those who tap into it and unite Reason and passion. So I'd like to figure out how to actually do that, and I think I'm learning some things now. But what do you think? Did I say anything of well, value yeah. there?
1: You know, yeah, definitely. Um, I, every um, every at least every every uh, truly progressive cultural um, innovation or invention, as well as every scientific or technological invention are all done on the basis of using reason. Okay, we, reason is the, you know, like, like I said, reason is the bedrock, let me find that again, the bedrock uh, principle, right, where all knowledge is, is built. Okay, so all scientific knowledge, all um, philosophical knowledge, all whatever is, is built on reason. And so as we progress scientifically, technologically, um, culturally, when you consider the arts and stuff like that, um, it's all based on it's all based on thought out and considered reason. It's not based on just knee jerk, passionate responses to things.
0: Yeah, no, 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 uh, absolutely. And it the fact that it can observe the processes going on in the brain, like uh, it, it shows up in meditation, but it also shows up in you know detectives. It shows up in people. Who have to be noticing things that aren't noticed before. Um, like when they, they'll feel an emotion come up, but then there's this observer within their own mind that can be like, oh, there's that emotion. And then they can't be pushed around by it. So those passions can show up, but we've evolved this part of us that can say yes or no to that feeling. And that is an extraordinary power once you really get a hold of it. Mm. It's interesting stuff to think about, but I think the majority of people don't have that ability to, uh, observe their emotions objectively within their own minds. That's just, it's just crazy to wrap your head around that, that, uh, we, we've, we've popped out another dude in our brain that can look at the rest of the brain and be like, Hmm, that's not useful. We should figure out how to not make that happen. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm like, ooh, how can I use this so I can get yeah. rid of some of the less useful passions?
1: Yeah. All right. Well, that's um, episode 32. Wizards' third rule: passion rules reason for better or for worse. If you have any comments or questions, email everythingvoluntary at gmail dot com. You can um, donate on the right side of everythingvoluntary dot com. Please consider that, and if you do. Um, if you use PayPal, we'll, we'll know your name at least. And we'll, we'll put that in a jungle, jingle. If you, use, if you donate through Bitcoin, then please email us. Let us know. And we will create a donation jingle for you. And the donation jingle length will be dependent on how much you donate. I guess a, a dollar a second or so.
0: I'm going to have to write like a full opera if someone donates like $1,000. So, but hey, I'm not saying I don't want it. But like 45 minutes of music. For the thousand dollar donator it's a lot of work probably just being me on the piano improvising
1: (laughs) about Um, alright well that's it I'm Skyler I'm Phil have a good night have a good week